Welcome to The Art of Growth and our panel season on Enneagram stances and attachment styles. This is the Type 5 panel. Before we get started, if you'd like to process the Enneagram and your growth journey with others on the path, consider joining the Art of Growth community. This is the best place to meet up with other Art of Growth listeners as we support each other in our becoming. You can join today at www.theartofgrowth.org. Theartofgrowth.org is also the place to take a free Enneagram test, a free Enneagram Instincts variant test, or to reach out to us for individual coaching or organizational coaching and consulting. There you can reach out to Joel Hubbard or me, Jim Zartman. In this podcast series, we build on the work we've done in other panel seasons on Enneagram type and instincts. All right, here we go. All right, well, welcome to the Type 5 Stances and Attachment Styles podcast. I am so excited to be here with our team, and uh, we're going to begin by just getting to know you a little bit. So if you would introduce yourself and tell us where you're from. My name is Lamont. I am originally from Richmond, Virginia, now living in Rock Hill, South Carolina, which is a suburb of Charlotte. Hi, my name is Kosha. I am originally from Chicago and moved to Michigan briefly, and now I'm back in Chicago. I'm Jen. I'm originally from San Francisco, and now I live in Little Rock, Arkansas. I'm Ben from Houston, Texas. Was up in Cincinnati, Ohio for seven years, but now I'm back down in Houston, Texas. Cool. Well, welcome to each of you. And uh, I'm really looking to dive into this and, and just get to know you a little bit more. We're doing this research project, really, of trying to figure out what it is like for each type in the stances and attachment styles. What's the order, if there are if there is an order to them? Um, and just to refresh us a little bit on that, the theory of the stances and attachment styles, two different models but both trying to address the question of how do we get our needs met in the context of relationships. And so the question I want to start us off with is, first of all, what is your starting or dominant stance? And does the context matter? My dominant stance is away. And I feel like as I've gotten older, I'm even more of an away stance. But it definitely does matter in the context, not necessarily the relationship, but how passionate I am about the subject at hand or that relationship at hand. It's like how much I care about it. I'm willing to kind of say, like, I'm just going to do my own thing, have that away stance. But I have the what is it toward stance when I'm very passionate about something. I can kind of go headlong. Mm hmm. Is that more toward or at? I'm sorry, at. Yeah. Right. So when I'm very passionate about something, when I have something in my mind, something, you know, purposeful ahead of me, I'm very much more at. But my main stance is away. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I'd like to hear a little bit more about that because your stance uh, or your instinct, your dominant instinct is sexual. So your sexual five, which is what's been called the counter type of the type. So the sexual instinct means that it pushes you outward and towards people relationally. So talk to me about that. What does that look like for you stance-wise? Because you're, you're saying you're starting in the away, 
And then there's the at that comes, which is like the strong no, or, you know, the, this is what I want. It's like, you know, agenda setting. It's interesting because I think that's where my five comes in is like, I will go at when I feel prepared to take that stance. If that Mm. makes sense. You know, I don't have to have people agree with me. I don't have to Mm. lean into certain things. But when, for example, when I'm, you know, having a conversation with somebody where I'm like, I know more about this than you. Mm. And they will, they're arguing with, I will definitely (laughs) lean in on that agenda. Does that make more sense? Yeah. So relationally away is your first step, tends to be your first step. At comes out when you have the resources, when you feel more prepared as that, that five thing stands. And then toward toward would be your last. At last. I don't spend much time with toward. What does it require for that to come out? I haven't really spent a lot of time thinking about that. I think it would be a very, a very deep relationship where that's where the like security comes in with the attachment. Mm. If I am very secure, like with my husband, with my partner, with my sister, with my best friend, and I'm okay with, with just going with that person's agenda because I'm not feeling overtaken or overshadowed or something that probably is the few times where the toward comes out for me. Yeah. So I've heard others describe that withdrawing those in the withdrawn stance say it's a management of energy. It's a, it's a nods all around when you said that nods all around, right? (laughs) It's like not going out on a limb with type fives, but like for all types who have that withdrawn dominant stance, there's a sort of measuring what's going to be taken from me, like a loss of the self or a loss of energy or something related to that. So that sounds like that's true for, for you all. It's, it's always a balance in terms of energy of like, what's worth it. I feel mm-hmm. like, and, and that's where the definitely away, you know, at, and then toward like they're ranked really easily when I think about it that way. Mm. I'm also the five sexual. I think I'm away naturally. And then that withdrawn state is easier for me to break down and to move into gentle connection with people when it's one-on-one or with very few people. If I'm in a group, I'm completely withdrawn, (laughs) just (laughs) trying to withstand that space. And I do have close relationships. What's interesting to me is how I can pop into a toward, I think, but I'm not asking for anything in return, but I'm willing to give and I have stuff to give, but I'm still sort of in this push-pull with how I'm feeling that the interaction is going, but I don't really want anything from the other people, mm. if that makes sense. So it's not really moving into relationship. Yeah, no, that makes a ton of sense. And that'll make sense, even more sense when we ask you about attachment styles, right? So there's that, that's, yeah. So the moving toward for you is more, it sounds like it's more of the five where you're reading the room to see if there's or reading the individual to see if there's interest are you interested are you okay and then that's when it's like okay then we can have a a conversation and a connection at that point but if you're disinterested then it's like you pull back yes and i am not i'm unlike kosha in that i'm not going to take anybody on 
that's my four in me. Like I don't have enough information. I'm, you know, that's my wing. Like mm. I don't, I don't need to go into conflict over my beliefs or anything. I will just whoop, back into my little shell and that'll be that. Mm -hmm. Okay. What would it require for you to come at in a more agenda or in a, in a place of that would feel maybe more aggressive to you? In defense of my family or my children or mm -hmm. those who are really within my inner circle. I think that's probably the only time that that would happen. If someone's pushing you, like trying to press you for answers or press you for uh, some kind of, yeah, some kind of response. Did you just keep withdrawing? You just pull back even more? Or if there's conflict you... and aggression, I withdraw completely. Yeah. And I just sort of dissociate. I, almost gotcha. like I can't find the words. Yeah, there's an, okay. there's that sort of stress response to conflict. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you. I love that because it's different than, it's not, we're not all the same. And we're going to have different reactions to something that feels like it's a threat to us. So, mm -hmm. yeah. I'm kind of like uh, Kosha and that I'm definitely avoid away stance. And then if I'm in my head, if I have all the facts, the information, I'll be it at, but then if I get resistance, it will go to towards, but I definitely have to, in my own mind, have to be correct and have all the information. So let's clarify that a little bit. So you're, you're saying if you have all the facts You'll go against a person. You'll set the. You'll speak up. You'll say what you think. Correct. So that that would be the at. So that would be, oh, yeah. yeah. So that would be your next. I know it gets a little confusing mm -hmm. with the directional terms. So the withdrawn and then the sort of like I get the facts. I've done my research. This is you know, and then you you speak up, and that's more the at. And then the toward is more of that like dutiful, like I'm going to give and, and you give, and we're in this reciprocal kind of relationship. So if I get resistance, I'm definitely going to be in the, at an at, okay. but when somebody else takes the step in the, into be a towards, then it's easy to transition to a towards. Okay. Yeah. Some fives have said that it's helpful when someone initiates that space, that for them, because it's not something that they initiate naturally. And so if someone else initiates it in relationship and they feel safe with that person, then they can engage in that way. Yeah. Well, what I'm hearing from a couple of you is it is the context really does matter. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. there's a consistency with the away first so far. There's a consistency of the away first. But whether you go toward or at, it has to do with like, what is the space someone else creates? Then I can maybe step in towards or if I feel really confident about that subject matter, I can be more at, or if I feel more really passionate about it, I can be more at. That one seems a little bit more flexible so far from the, the first three of you. Is that, am I hearing that correctly? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I'd like to explore, but I want to hear from Ahmad. I'd like to explore a little bit more of that safety piece, like what causes you to be able to relax into that. And then that'll be a good transition to the attachment styles. But Ahmad, I want to hear from you. So I move away by default, but my social instinct is so strong that I move toward people that I'm interested in, especially if they know something I want to learn. <laughs> okay. I'm All a right. collector of, of experts. I'm a collector of people. <laughs> yeah. So I take pride in whatever subject I'm into, like the, the person that's very proficient in what I want to learn. Then I'll move towards that person. But 
it's limited though. I'm not going to go too far with it. I guess my secondary the withdrawn. And then I guess the, the last one would be at, now I go at people when they question my competency, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and validate my intelligence. Yeah. That just automatically brings out that, that part of me that, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm going to go at you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we've heard from other social fives. It seems like this is fairly consistent where there is a sense of like, if it's just for the whole, if it's for the sake of the group, I'll, I'll do it. I'll step up. And so there's like this pull towards the group and it's, there's a something satisfying. It scratches an itch. So it produces a little bit of that, like, whew, this is going to cost me something, but it's also appealing in some sense as well. Hmm. Yeah. Where I fit in is very important. I want to be accepted. You know, and so I will do what I need to do and move toward the right people in order to gain that acceptance. But it's acceptance at a a very um, limited way. You know, I, I become the person that I'm not going to give him a whole lot, but just enough to, OK, this guy is he's good at this. And it's almost like, you know, when I read the description, it's the right spot on. It's just like I kind of adopt the, the uh, posture of an expert. Yeah. The, the, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah. So at work, I'm the Enneagram guy. I'm the guy that knows the numbers, you know, and I take pride in it. Or I'm the guy that trains people and mentors people. So mm. by default, yeah, I, I lean into that heavily. Mm. I'm a sexual five. So it's like, Jen, it's it's more of a smaller group situation where I really want to connect. You know, like right now, I want to come through the screen and like be with you guys. But <laughs> it's so contextual mm -hmm. when it comes to like, I'm at, if someone is questioning my expertise, that's where I go at where I'm just like, I don't question you in your workplace. Like yeah. I know what I'm talking about. Yeah. That is all it takes for me to go from away to at for me to go from at to toward. It is absolutely the relationship where it's like, I'm not going to do the give take thing unless I know that I can let down my guard and open myself up to being wrong. Oh. So I'm a math nerd. If I do a math problem incorrectly and someone calls me on it, I'm only really comfortable with that with like my best friend. She, she can tease me about like, did that bother you about like, you didn't get that question right or whatever jeopardy question trivia. But otherwise, if I if I'm not 100 percent sure on an answer, I will either keep my mouth shut or I'll go at it, I hope that answers your question about, like, where does that transition happen? Yeah, it's fascinating how context does make a difference. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. And I'll give an example of me going at I have recently was demoted at work and it was personal with that person, but they spread it. The, the I got promoted to a new position and they spread the, the uh, story that, oh, he just wasn't cutting it. And that just, oh, no, you, you're saying mm. that was worse than the demotion that you're spreading the fact that I wasn't good at what I was doing. And so that that was the driving force. And that I had to go at go to HR and all that. And it wound up working out. But the fact that people would go and say, oh, he just wasn't getting it. That, that mm. sparked something in me because you're, hmm. you know, I pride myself on being competent and being yeah. proficient. So, yeah. Yeah. And we've heard this from other fives where they're in environments that there's an expectation of a certain way of interaction. 
And because they can kind of pull back and be away and want to process more and think more and, you know, really get to the heart of something. And then other people can perceive that or interpret that in a certain way. Yeah. The disengaged perception of disengaged perception. Yeah. Yeah. You're disengaged from the room or from the. Yeah. And that has happened to me in a number of situations. I taught for 27 years. And so Mm. in staff meetings and all of the meetings that we have as teachers, I would very rarely speak up unless I was called upon. And that was actually considered a detriment because I didn't look like I was a team player. Yeah. But in small Mm. group settings, like if we broke into smaller groups to do work, I was obviously doing the work and I was there and could participate and communicate and contribute. But in the larger group, I just wasn't interested in that. And then on another note, you know, I have two kids and so playground politics. (laughs) So, and we lived in a really great neighborhood with all of these kids that hung out together all the time. And I was friendly with a lot of the moms and I had two really good, really good friends. And for whatever reason, one of the other women who I had no interest in being connected and strongly connected with. So I was very, I was just my normal friendly self, but I wasn't intentionally doing anything to not have this friendship. She looked at me and she said, you are so hard to get to know. And it threw me because I was like, wait, this is the face I show everyone. Mm. You know, it made me kind of really have to evaluate the mask that I put on and realize that it really is a mask. You know, I hadn't considered that people were aware of it, I guess. Yeah. And then my other friends were like, no, no, you are so easy to get to know. It's all right there. But it's because I show them. Wow. Yeah. That's a lot of self-awareness there because that there's, there's a a certain atmosphere we create that we don't always see. And so, yeah, that's really good awareness. Yeah. And that's perception of certain other expectations. I don't think fives are hard to get to know, but they're just harder to read. So they're just not going to like throw it out there for you. But if that's the expectation of someone else, yeah, they could see how they would arrive at that. Yeah. Yeah, that question of vulnerability, it has to be a very particular scenario for me to be vulnerable Mm. and super open about anything that's really close to my heart, I guess. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Well, let's continue down that path as we switch to attachment styles and explore that a little bit, because that's that's a, a similar kind of, you know, again, model that's trying to address how do you get your needs met in the context of relationship. And in that, there's the the four categories. This is securely attached, which means that you can both give and receive in relationship. You can ask for what you need, but you don't demand it. And you're also able to give uh, to the relationship. And then there's the anxious, preoccupied, or the person that really looks to the others uh, in relationship to meet their needs. They don't really trust themselves to be able to do that. And then there's the third category, which is the exact opposite is I don't trust other people to meet my needs. I need to meet my own needs. And so that's more of the avoidant type. And then finally, we have the disorganized, which is no clear strategy on how they get their needs met. So out of those four, most of us are, you know, have experienced and tasted of secure uh, relationship. Some of us have never. But it's something that we can get to. So your starting point is your starting point, but we can all move towards uh, securely attached. So my question to you, uh, similar to the stances, is which is your dominant uh, style of attachment? 
So for me, I really am into somebody, if I really want to get to know them as an expert in my life, someone in my life, work, a mentor or a friend, if I'm just like connection and I want this person intimately in my life and I'm a, I'm a sexual five, I am anxious. But if that person's more into like, I'm just not that into you. Like if that person's more into me and I just don't have the time or energy and, you know, space in my life, I get avoidance. Would that make me disorganized because I have both or would that make me both essentially again, contextual? It is contextual, but the, the main question of attachment style is in your most intimate relationships. Mm. What is your go-to strategy for connecting to them? Anxious. I have, but I do go to secure. I will say like to Joel's point, I have several secure relationships and I'm very happy and secure in those. Like I don't waver. So my, my go-to is anxious. And then I am very capable of moving into secure with those like very intimate, close partnerships. In the intimate, close relationships, you're actually seeking them to meet your needs. Um, I like, I would say I'm the pursuer. Like for the, until I get to the, until we get to the secure part of the attachment. Okay. So that's a nuance. You're either pursuing, but you're not seeking them to meet your needs or are you? I've always thought of myself as the anxious attachment, but I guess now that you're, you're parsing that out, maybe I don't know. Because there is an anxiety that a lot of us head types feel <laughs> naturally. So it's like, you know, we see we see anxious attachments. Like, oh, clearly I've got anxiety about attachment. <laughs> I do have anxiety. And I have anxiety about relationships. Like, I, like I don't know if this true. is something, you guys, but I'm always worried that I'm annoying people. So I, that gives <laughs> well, me anxiety. Like, yeah, especially same. when I'm pursuing, you know, a relationship or a friendship. And I'm just like, oh, my God, I'm too overbearing. I'm too like I'm, I'm coming on too strong. I talk too much about bats or math or something, you know? And so, (laughs) you know, I'm always, I I have that anxiety. So maybe I'm confusing the two, but. I think think that that is what we would call neuroticism. Um, And uh, (laughs) that's it. There we go. You're completely within the headspace. Like all of us, five, sixes and sevens, we are neurotics. Uh, So there's a lot of activity going on in the brain. And there's a lot of thinking about that. That's like, oh my gosh, did I say too much? And measuring and like, oh, that person looks disinterested. There's, there's a lot of that that's happening for five, sixes, and sevens. But it does not mean that you're in your attachment style. It's like, I need you to meet my needs. So I'm leaning towards you for that right. purpose. Oh, that's okay. the distinction. Yeah. Okay. Then I don't try to glean my needs from other people. Yeah. So let me clarify something that I'm seeing that pop up here. And I would want people to also make sure they've heard the the sexual five panel, because a lot of what you brought up when you're talking about attachment has to do with the sexual instinct. You're talking about new people, people you want to be friends with that sizzle of connection of a, of a one-on-one because there's like a, even a goal of pursuit of having that connection. But what about the relationships that are very stable, that you're probably mostly secure in, that you've had for a long time, that you're very close with, when you hit a point of contention? I will say, I'm a five, so I had to take the test a few times just to (laughs) see, you know, with their continuity. And it came up as disorganized, but I think that's because of the contextualization. With my close friends, I think I'm fairly secure. And with my husband, I'm secure. That said, I'm learning to ask for getting my needs met. Mm. And so I can say in the past, 
absolutely not. If I did ask, they weren't met. And so I just stopped asking. Yeah. But I do also have that natural tendency that if there is conflict, I need to go away and process and then come back when there is a less charged atmosphere to communicate. My husband's an eight, so he's like, raw. And so thankfully the Enneagram has taught us how to fight. Yeah. Thanks, Enneagram. (laughs) But one of the tests that I took actually included the word ambivalent with anxious. And I loved that word because more than anxious about it. I'm sort of ambivalent about people helping me with my emotions or getting my needs met. It's really been my job my whole life. So I'm ambivalent about needing help. Yeah. I can do this on my own. That's per- that's perfect because that ambivalent word definitely gets at that. Like it depends so much on so many factors, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. even though we're asking very unfair questions, like how does it show up and what question, you know, it's like, that's just too broad because it is so incredibly nuanced to situations, mm-hmm. to how you woke up that morning, to the, the particular season of your life. There's so many factors that affect how we show up. And on some days we may be like, I, I am a bit more ambivalent and I'm not in my secure place. And so I'm acting maybe more avoidant. Maybe I'm even less accessible or I'm asking for less now because I just don't Mm -hmm. trust you to meet my need. And so I'm in this place or other times where we're feeling more comfortable and we are saying some, some things, speaking up and asking for things. Yeah. That's definitely true for me. Some days I just need the world to go away because I cannot engage. (laughs) Yeah. I just need to be by myself. Yeah. Yeah. I would say like when I was younger, like in my teens and, you know, 20, especially for romantic relationships, I was very anxious. Mm-hmm. And now I have either secure relationships or I'm avoidant as I've gotten older and, and like I'm in my early 40s now. So it is contextual. But I love that ambivalent word because mm-hmm. I don't count on other people. Even if I seek it, I don't expect it. So I think that's where my confusion was. But yeah. So for me, uh, scored highly in uh, secure with personal relationship. I'm looking at it as a uh, nucleus. So my family is, is the nucleus. Like they're, they're my house. They're everything because it's part of me. And then there's out of the house, which is flying out there. And that's always avoidant, not looking for anything out there. And then scored really highly in insecure, but that was looking at, just my relationship with uh, with my spouse. Yeah, that's wonderful. If you weren't, so I love how you did, by the way, you spoke like like every self-pressed person in the world would have spoken, which is like, there's my house inside my house and then there's everything outside of the house. <laughs> so imagine yourself not in that space of, of feeling secure. Is your natural or your, your second or your default, would that be to then be avoidant or would that be to be anxiously like seeking others to meet your need? Uh, definitely avoidant. Don't really seek others. you know, always in my headspace, looking for my own answers, getting all the information, but definitely avoidant from anything else. Yeah. Or dismissive and not just not noticing or not paying attention to it. Yeah. How about you, Ahmad? Score high and avoid it. <laughs> no surprise there because this is just my thing. I feel like fives are eights turned inside out. We're trying to control the environment, but through 
filtering it through our own mind as opposed to the eight externally controlling the environment. So avoidant, I'm avoiding because I, I can't control people. So I need to kind of be in a position to be able to react the right way. So I avoid, especially when I'm not ready to have certain conversations, when I'm not ready to give so much of myself. I saw a lot of that, you know, when I took the test, I was like, yeah, yeah, it all makes sense to me. Yeah. And I think the second one would be anxious because the relationships that I have, I'm always like, did I say the wrong thing? Did I offend this person? Am I being misunderstood? I'm constantly questioning how I'm being perceived. Well, this is why the stances are are also a real good coupling to the attachment styles, because you can see how when you are anxious, you're going to start moving sometimes away. So there's the ambivalence again. It's like, oh, I said too much. Oh, they're not interested. Or toward like, oh, my gosh, this is someone that's moving away that I really care about and I really would like to stay in a relationship with. And so all of a sudden you have this sort of toward energy that comes out in the stances and you're leaning towards a person. And it's like mixed messaging sometimes that comes through. And yet that's consistent with a lot of type fives. And so Helen Palmer said, I think it's in the book, the Enneagram at working in love that, and I'm paraphrasing the five will withdraw, but we still want to know if somebody's on the other side of the door. You know, we want our independence, but we want people to mm. care too. So yeah. withdrawal is actually a, a tactic. It's a strategy, you know, but I can only speak for myself. Like, I don't want just complete autonomy being an island, you know, by myself. No, I still need that connection, but it's just, it needs to be safe. And life mm. moves a lot faster than a lot of times that I'm able to kind of handle with people's emotions and you know, life is messy. So let me avoid, let me just kind of, okay, let me see what's what's going on and then come up with a strategy to deal with stuff. Because sometimes in real time, it's just, it's moving too fast. Yeah. Excellent. First of all, that was brilliant that fives are alone in their room and I need somebody on the other side of the door. That's huge because I do have, my intimate relationships are very, very important to me. I just don't need to have many of them. But I was wondering, is being withdrawn a defense as opposed to just a stance? Like, was it a defense for me to withdraw based on my life experience versus is this something, you know, nature versus nurture here? Because it takes a substantial amount for the other person to gain my trust. And it's not even something that they can actively do. It's like, an, it's just a feeling, an energetic, I don't know. It's something where... If I, I can instantly feel that connection or not. And then it's kind of the, then it's the toward, like, let's play with this a little bit and get closer. But my withdrawal stance is a defense and it's a, it's a shield. Well, you've brought up something that's come up in other panels, which is what is the nature of the withdrawn stance? Like we, we, because we all have a little bit of it. It's not like this is something unique to the five, the five maybe epitomizes it, but it's all, it's in all of us. So what's its use? And I think that for the stances, there's a couple of uses. One is it's like self-protective. There's a time to be at because there's some danger and we need to pay attention to that. So it's not like this is a, this is wrong or that, you know, it's, it, it's only used for one thing. It's got a couple of uses. So one is to protect the self and the other one is to make a connection with people and how we interact. Most of the time we're doing it without without a whole lot of awareness. We can be aware of it. It's not like it's in the subconscious, but 
it's still functioning at that a little bit underneath the awareness. And so we're in that space of like, oh, am I that withdrawn? You can feel my withdrawnness. It's like, and other people can, and particularly intimates, so they feel it. It's like, oh man, you're in that space. You're pulling away. And part of it is protective. Like, oh man, I feel like I got to protect. I've got to, you know, recharge my batteries because I'm tired. Something emotional happened. I need to think through it. And then there's also like, the natural starting point of engaging in relationships, which is like a cautionary approach. Like, let's just be careful as we enter in, let's think this through, you know? So yeah, I think that that makes, that makes a lot of sense that that's the way you move through life. Um, you no, know, the idea of vulnerability and the idea of like, where am I willing to open myself up to possibly someone saying, Oh, Oh, you didn't know that, which to me, my entire life has been, that's the worst thing you could say. Like, that's so until like, oh, oh, I thought you would have known that. <laughs> oh, God, that's like, you know, where they'll just stab me Daggers, wherever. Right, right exactly. Uh, but you know what's really crazy? So I just learned this term. And have you guys heard of anxiety? No. It's, a, it's the anxiety you have during a hangover, which is like you've been drinking with someone and then you have anxiety where you go like, oh, my God, did I say something stupid? I say? I yeah. All of my <laughs> down when I'm drinking and that and I have that you guys, that's got to be another attachment style because I have that in like space <laughs> where I sometimes like I won't even ha I will have one glass of wine if, around people I'm not secure with. And I will not let my guards down yeah. until I'm in that secure space. Yeah. Uh, another question that, that came to mind for this, as far as why I would be surprised to see the anxious attachment style being very frequent among fives is because one thing we learned from Michelle is that with the anxious attachment style, frequency is a big part of intimacy. So like if to feel close, there's got to be this like real consistent and a lot of interaction like and that seems less important for fives that like frequency does not equal intimacy for fives. It depends, though. It depends on because, I, you know, my secondary instinct is sexual. It depends on that person. If it's somebody that I really want to ma maintain a connection with, then I'm going to override that. And, and huh. be, you know, I'll show up. So in other words, we talked about before we started about shapeshifting, like I will shapeshift into that, mm. you know, I will shapeshift into that person that is going to show up, you know, but it has to be worth it to me. You mm. Know? Mm. Yeah. yeah. And you wouldn't feel like it's being invasive if they're like texting all day or something like that. No, if that interest is there. Absolutely. No, it's gonna, you know, again, like, okay. um, it's a defensive thing, like to withdraw. It's not, it's a means to an end. It's not what we want to mm. do. It's a defense mechanism because, okay, I can't control this. Let me step back. And like a bird, when you see a bird in your yard in the morning, he's moving around, he's looking, okay, what's going yeah. on? What's the danger? Let me take off. But he doesn't want to take off always, but it's just, I'm in danger. I'm vulnerable. So that's the emotional part of the five is just like, and we were refer, you know, Beatrice Chestnut referred to us as being hypersensitive. So I got to protect this sensitive part of me because once you're in, I'm completely vulnerable. I have no defense. Mm. Yeah. I've often um, joked with uh, head types, particularly fives that, you know, their emotions are like cats. So you, you can't chase it. 
If you start, if you start moving towards it, it's gone. <laughs> you got to sit around a while. <laughs> and then the cat comes over and smells you. But if you look too quickly and you get up, they're gone again. So it's this sort of like, you know, I feel like your metaphor is attacking me personally. (laughs) Just because of his sheer accuracy. Yes, sheer accuracy and pinpointedness. Yes. Yeah. Well, but you had said something, you know, Joel, you had said something in the beginning is like the energy expenditure so if it's somebody I'm secure with and I have, you know, we're Jen and I are sexual five. So it's like, there's a very small group of people and I could be frequently texting them all day long. And I do. Right. But once it gets beyond that point, I just don't have the energy reserves for that. So the intimacy goes up and frequency goes up, but then it's like a tiered system because after that, mm. I just don't have it in me. That very definitive level of energy. When I read the five and was like, I mean, it was like the earth shook beneath my feet. Like, this is not just me. I am not just the weirdo that has this limited amount of energy and I have to be so, I'm very stingy with it. So with my close friends, I will text a lot. If there's anything emotional that needs to be shared, I would rather not go out to dinner. I would rather them come to my house. Um, That level of energy is that is calculated into every single thing. And so I think when I took the multiple tests, I think I took three or four, I was taking them not in succession. I was taking them on different days. And I was very aware of um, how on two of the days when it came up as disorganized, I was feeling super low in energy as opposed to it was almost dependent on that emotional state that I was in at that moment, as opposed to being sort of this generalized this is what I would do. Mm. That was interesting to me. Yeah. Jim, I'm interested in what you had said before about how all four of us were talking about new relationships and the attachment style. It's interesting because my, I only have a few intimate relationships that are established and those are secure. I'm talking like five, right? And so when you even, when we even started talking about the attachment styles, I went straight to new relationships Mm. because otherwise I'm secure. So that Mm. found that really interesting that, you know, you made that distinction because in longstanding relationships, I don't have that many that are, you know, I have like work colleagues and friends and stuff like that. But in terms of the relationships I'm thinking about, I'm secure in those, but there aren't that many being a sexual five. Yeah. Makes sense. Given the time, I want to uh, make sure that we spend um, a little bit of time at least answering this question of how do you grow and how have you, what are some things you've learned uh, to work your way towards secure attachment? And I want to distinguish the difference between feeling secure and behaviors that are secure, secure style of behaviors. That was a distinction because it's not always that you feel secure, but your behaviors are moving towards, well, I'm still going to ask for what I need. I'm still going to lean forward in relationship and not lean back. I'm still going to do that. It's that sort of behavior while still feeling some level of anxiety. We had that question come up with another podcast. So I wanted to make sure I, I clarified that. So what are some things that you're learning how to move in terms of the stances and also in terms of the attachment styles? I'm learning that it's so easy for me to cut people off and that's not healthy. 
Um, that's people invest time, energy, and resources into developing a relationship as I do with them. And for my first thing to be, oh, I'm gone and how that hurts people. And I've only recently really realized how detrimental that is to just, just the health of real human connection that sometimes it's going to be, I have to stay in the room because that's not fair. But that was my thing. And, and again, it goes back to the competency thing. I didn't realize that, oh, I'm just not good at this relationship. Mm. So I'm not good at something. I'm going to stop because I don't want to look incompetent. I don't know how to meet your needs. So it's better for me to just walk away. Wow. And that's not fair. Wow. wow. So, yeah. So staying in the room and actually having the uncomfortable conversations, you know, and dealing with the fact that instead of spiraling out because I didn't meet somebody's needs, it's just humbling myself and sitting and listening and learning how and accepting the fact that I'm not good at everything. So, yeah. Dude, that is. I'll say the way that I learned one thing is having a child because when her instincts and her go-to stances and things like that, I, I see are mirrored from mine and then I can have some distance and go like, okay, what is a good way of dealing with this situation I get why your instinct is to do that, but, you know, maybe we should look at a different way. But the other thing is, you know, Joel, you actually, you said something on the podcast you're on our podcast where you said, well, there's, there's you and there's me. And then, then there's a space between. And so I have been very much trying to not make everything so dichotomous. And so you or me, right? So it's, it's, I'm either with you or or you're either with me or you're against me, that kind of thing. And giving a little grace to the space in between. And, you know, like Jen said, like on one day I was low energy on one day I wasn't. And so being a little bit more forgiving to other people's, how they approach relationships with me or an interaction with me and my, how, what I'm bringing to that space between that's really, really hard to do because it's just, so easy as Ahmed said to be like, okay, well, I guess this relationship is over because we had an argument, but you know, or, or that person is so annoyed with me. Obviously I talked about bats too much, so I'm going (laughs) to, I'm never going to hear from them again. (laughs) But if you turn that and go, well, if that person talked about what they were really excited about quote too much, I would never be annoyed with them. So maybe they're not annoyed with me and realizing what that space in between is. And like I said, just respecting it and loving it a little bit so that's Mm. that's how i'm trying to grow yeah nice i think i'm trying to grow in self-compassion and understanding i spent so many years sort of pushing pushing and forcing situations forcing social interaction i mean as a teacher you have to be up in front of the audience so that's one thing but even beyond that with social relationships i would force myself to show up, even if everything in my body was screaming Mm. to stay at home. Mm. And then the next day, you know, there would be the social hangover as Kosha was just talking about that. If I get that depleted, I could be knocked out for three or four days. And yet during that three or four days, there are other things I still have to do. And so what I've learned, and I honestly attribute this to the Enneagram is that understanding myself and what I can and cannot commit to and how that honoring myself 
gives others permission to honor themselves in relationship with me, that's been super powerful. Mm. And by honoring myself, just even from that energetic standpoint, I think that was the first step. And then in interactions with my kids and with my husband and with all of the different people, that comes really front and center. And so I can say out loud, I'm feeling overwhelmed and I need to take a minute, but I, this is really important and I want to come back. Love and that's it. also yes. understanding from the Enneagram because that allows everyone to feel safe within the experience. Excellent. And I don't see that happening on the regular out in the world. So that's that's been a huge win for me. Yeah. Well said. I was like, okay, where's she going to go with this? Because yes, it's both the ability to honor. It's not about like sacrificing endlessly and always being present right. for everybody and taxing right. yourself out. And on the other hand, it's not doing what the natural part of the sort of the, the lower motivation, which is like withhold, 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 and like pull back. That's also not going to serve you or the relationships around you. But I love the way you said that. It's yeah. excellent. And that is, that's a big win. Well, you also right. named something that was really key to secure relationships, which is the capacity to voice your needs, that it's safe to actually have them and to, <laughs> and to voice them. Yeah. You know, huge. huge. Yeah. Right. And I would never have done that when I was younger because I, I didn't even know what I was avoiding doing. Yeah. But yeah. none of us do. Absolutely. We're blind to our needs. We're blind to what we're doing. It's it's what we say. Awareness is first and everything. Um, yeah. So, uh, for me though, just like you said, for me, self pres growing my my nucleus. I can either grow it larger or I can be more adaptive outside of of my nucleus. Yeah. Well, what's allowed you to have a secure? You said you have a secure relationship. Um, you have a secure relationship with your family. What's allowed you to have that? Well, I'm time uh, with more with my wife, 17 years, and we got married young. So in that we grew together, we grew mentally together. And Did she help pull you out in some ways? Did she help like? Oh, oh yes, definitely. Um, yeah. mm. So a, as a five and broken home, not too much supervision. And as a five, like I was always in my own headspace mm. and she pulled me out, didn't know how to argue or voice my emotions and everything so uh, she definitely pulled that out of me as a teenager so mm. and so because you're able to do that now it sounds like you're able to do that a little bit more it's resulted in you feeling more secure in your relationship oh yeah definitely with her and uh with the rest of the family or with just my kids and and my parents and realizing oh they weren't mad at me they were just trying to pull me out and either get me to talk about something or yeah it to not be in my head <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah well done yeah i mean these are these are big things these are not small even though you you know you can look around and be like wow other people had killer insights here but like what you've learned and and being able to speak up that's the hard work. <laughs> That's the hard work for a five. And you did it uh, and you're doing it. It's not like it's a done thing, you know, because you always have that energetic pull, the gravitational pull, right? That pulls you back down. And so you have to kind of lean back in and that can be, that can be sometimes more difficult than other times, but you're practicing it. And as a result, it's, it's uh, making your relationship feel secure. So. Well, I want to say thank you to each yeah. of you 
I mean, this was a treat for me. This was gold. Yeah. I could spend another hour just hanging out and talking with you guys, really. It's just so fascinating. And the nuance you brought, the insights you brought to this. Mm. Mm, so good. Does my heart good. Thank you. So thank good. you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode. You can follow us on social media or sign up for our newsletter at theartofgrowth.org. You can also go there to sign up for the community or to reach out to us for coaching. But hey, since you're here, why not stick around for another episode? Grace and growth, my friends.